My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. So we're in Philippians chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Philippians chapter 4. And, uh, yeah, we're actually going to pick up in verse 4 after I read the text here in just a second. But, uh, and I will tell you today is going to be uh, a little more personally transparent than normal. So, really, I thought I'd get at least, at least one eyebrow raised as soon as I said that, but I didn't, so. <laughs> She's trying not to be judgy. All right, cool. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. All right, on that note, that's your introduction to the hook to get you interested today, so we'll see. All right, so Philippians chapter 4, <clears throat> starting verse 2 here. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever, Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4. So today we pick up in verse 4, the bottom of page 90 uh, in our green books. <clears throat> and the only word in English and in Greek, that shows up on uh, page 90 is rejoice. And that is the 
underlying theme of both verses that we want to look at today, verses 4 and 5. And this word rejoice uh, is a, as we'll see at the top of page 91, a plural present active imperative. So pop quiz, don't you love pop quizzes first thing in the morning? What is a plural present active imperative? All of you do it. Yes, that's exactly right. So the plural is all of you. The imperative is do it. What is the present active? Do it now and keep doing it. Like you, you keep doing this until this command is rescinded. The, the way I typically say this is a group standing order. Like this is, this is you just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And I, w- I will tell you, I am taking my cue here for how to teach this text from both the uh, Greek structure of the paragraph and the English structure of the paragraph. So flip back over in your green books real quick to um, <clears throat> to uh, page 83. To page 83. Good morning, Tim Archer. Tim just said hello on Facebook, sorry. I forget you guys can't see these. It's <laughs> so if you look at the structure of the paragraphs on page 83, so verses 2 and 3 are a paragraph. Verse 4 starts a new paragraph. Uh, and then verse, let's see, it keeps going. I think it goes all the way through the end of verse 9. Uh, I don't think there's a break between 7 and 8 in the Greek. I didn't bring my Greek New Testament, but... Um, but in the Greek New Testament, there's a paragraph break between verses 3 and 4. In most English New Testaments, there is not a paragraph break between 3 and 4. And a lot of English texts don't really know how to categorize like verse 4 and beyond, because in a lot of Paul's letters, you get to a point where he just starts this rapid fire, all right, you got to do this, 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 you got to do this. And some people see a really hard time connecting what he's been talking about to this list of imperatives when you get to the imperatives. Uh, basic structure of most Pauline letters are Timothy and I say, hey, uh, here's a bunch of really cool, amazing stuff about Jesus and the gospel. Uh, quit doing these stupid things. Here's a list of stuff that I need you to do really well. And then hello to everybody that I want to say hello to. Like, that's just kind of basic structure. Uh, in the Philippians, we don't have the section of really quit doing the stupid stuff. It's pretty much only Philippians 4, 2, and 3, like what we covered last week. Yodi and Sintiki, you guys get along. And the thing that I like the most about the English translations that don't put a paragraph break between verses 3 and 4 is if you believe that Euodia and Syntyche actually obey what Paul says for them to do. So I urge Euodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, remember this is this third party that's looking in, true partner to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. If they do it, what is there then cause for? Rejoicing. In my mind, it's a very clean, logical connection between I've just told you to do something, and if you do it, it's time to rejoice because this is really good. 
Because the unity around the gospel message has been restored. We're getting along. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. And it makes sense. So that, that's the perspective that I'm coming at it from this morning. If you want to take a, no, no, that, that thought ended, and now he's beginning the rapid-fire sequence of, like, go, do, 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 do. Like, I'm absolutely fine. My hands are as wide open on this as I can get them. Uh, but I wanted to be very clear about where I'm coming from and my perspective on this. So uh, rejoice. So I think it makes sense if they actually obey Philippians 4, 2, and 3. This fits in really, really well. Uh, but it, it, is, it is not rejoicing over the fact that they are now getting along. It's rejoicing in what? That's exactly right. In the God who is worthy of them getting along. Who is worth, like I will put aside my preference and my, my insistence and my desire and my passion because like, this matters. In my notes, I have next to the in the Lord part, I have location, location, location. Right? It's just, <laughs> that matters. Because if, if, if like, I don't know if Dave Barber and I have ever been in a fight. We, that could be interesting. But um, <laughs> both your girls just had amazing facial expressions <laughs> that changed. So now I want to pick one and just see what it looks like. But, but Dave and I have been friends for I don't, quite several number of years uh and we get along really well i please hope this doesn't go sideways on me right now but um but the the reality is if if we got in a big fight one day the valuable thing about our relationship is actually not our relationship the valuable thing about our relationship is that it is centered around the truth and the reality of the gospel and the person and work of jesus christ Um, and that is what is work worthy of doing work to restore relationships. Um, I, like, I like being Dave's friend, but I like Jesus in the gospel more, and it's more significant and more important. Does that, does that make sense? Does that resonate? Okay, all right. So that's my homiletical throat clearing this morning to, now let's look at the text. So, so we got this group standing order, rejoice in the Lord. So not only is it a, like, it makes sense if they got reconciled, but this is nice, moving forward direction like hey now y'all get along <laughs> right there's a little bit of that i think in there as well um and then you get to this always so it's not just well you're it's a good day today so rejoice in the lord it's like no, no 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 it's just for always and then he says again or he says i will say this is the uh uh areo, the future active indicative so he's going to say this again i will say it again Rejoice, and we get another uh, plural, present, active imperative. But before we go, before we go to page 92, uh, at the bottom of 91, I've got an application and personalization. But I want you to, uh, I want you to see something. Um, actually, I got this in the wrong order, Dave. I would like to go to uh, slide five right now. Can we just skip forward just a, sm- a smidge? That's okay. You can just th- click through them. Yeah, 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 you're good. Oh, he's going to be fancy about it. He's going to go straight to slide five because he's amazing like that. This is like your PowerPoint super hack here. All right, so do you remember uh, we've talked about chiasms in the New Testament, right? So chiasms are you walk into something and then you walk out of it. Uh, and there is a chiastic sound to this verse. 
So this is not just, because most chiasms in Hebrew and in Greek are chiastic in meaning. This is actually chiastic in sound. So when somebody would have read this in Greek, you would have heard the hard sound at the beginning. So rejoice and rejoice. And then uh, in, this is the Lord, uh, always, again, I say. So you've got, it's bounded on the outside by rejoice. Then you step into in and I will say, and in the center is the repetition part. Now, this one's interesting because it's also chiastic in sound in English, which my head exploded when I saw that this week. I was like, uh, what? Like I, I don't, you know, you, you can't really, oh, I didn't, I didn't put the, that gummit, that should be blue. That eye right there should be blue. Um, so that, I thought that was beautiful, for one. But also, what's the central focus of the chiastic structure? The outsides or the middle? It's the middle, right? What Paul is leaning into here, and what I think a lot of people miss when they look at this verse, is that, yes, there's two group standing orders to rejoice, but the focal element of the structure of this verse is on the repetition and the continuance of the actual order itself. It's the, it's the always and again, and always and again, and always and again, and always and again. And it's almost like he knew what living in community with a group of believers is like, that we would perhaps need to focus on the always and again piece. Right? Like I, have, I have been my whole life in church. Like my mom told me once that the first Sunday that I missed church was the Sunday I was born. Because I had nine months perfect attendance, like, like crazy love. Thanks, Mom. I appreciate that. It was a really cool story to tell. Uh, but, but I have noticed that we forget sometimes the importance of the repetitive nature of our faith and the insistence of going back to really basic things. So I thought this was just beautiful, and I wanted you to see it. And it's, it's just buried in there, and you just don't see it otherwise. So... Um, an application and a personalization in the bottom of page 91, um, I would say that reconciliation has great consequences. Like reconciliation has great consequences. I have no idea how to spell reconciliation. Um, I am confident I did not spell it correctly in my notes. So reconciliation has great consequences. So what do we do with that? I'd say reconcile and rejoice. Like this is... This is good. This is really healthy for us. Yeah. And you know, I've actually got to. So now that Davis sat down, I've got a. Uh, we'll go back to slide three now. Sorry, brother. He's easy to be friends with. I will tell you this. Like he's. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, so this is my quote from Dr. Hansen. Uh, a time of suffering is a time when rejoicing in the Lord is the only way to survive. Because where were they? They were in Philippi and hard-pressed on every side. And Paul's in prison, literally hard-pressed on every side, chained to people that, that change over every six, eight hours. And so you've got suffering on both sides of this communication. And what does he lean into? He leans into... Rejoice and keep it up and keep it up and keep it up and keep it up and keep it up. And I, I got to think that 
I got to think that this message is even more profound coming from a man who, from an earthly perspective, it would make no sense whatsoever to rejoice in, right? I mean, that's just, it's crazy because that's not what he's rejoicing in. He's not rejoicing in his situation. He's rejoicing in the Lord who is with him in his situation, and that changes everything. All right, let's go to uh, six now, Dave, and then I think Rob, I'll be back on speed. Thank you so much, sir. All right, so verse 5. Um, oh, I, I forgot an application and personalization at the bottom of page 92. So this is the, since the second time that we get this uh, rejoice. I'd say an application here is repetition is healthy. So personalization will be repeat as needed. I think sometimes we get hung up on, uh, we think repetition is necessary when things aren't going well. But, like, apart from Yodia and Syntyche, stuff was going really, really well in the church in Philippi. Like, really, really well. And I, I would say repetition is really healthy when things are generally healthy. Like, that's a good time to review the significance of who Jesus is and the importance of the gospel and how that is what we rally around. So it's not just healthy when stuff is going bad, but it's healthy when things are, going, are actually healthy. All right, so verse 5, uh, and this is where we'll spend the majority of our time this morning. Uh, let your graciousness uh, be known to everyone. So that's kind of the, the first sentence, and then the second is the Lord is near. So let your graciousness be known. Uh, in our English translations, when you see the word let, many times that's a signal that this is a passive verb, right? So this is one of those... Uh, allow this to happen, which is a very receiving-oriented concept, which is the, the passive approach. But this, is, this word be known is an imperative. So it is a command to allow this to happen. So uh, let's take a look at this word graciousness for just a second. It's, it only shows up uh, five times in the New Testament. Um, it's just a, a handful of times. I looked this up in the, uh, the BDAG, and if you'll go forward one, Dave... Uh, so this is the, the big, hairy, audacious book. Uh, and this is uh, uh, case, which is kind of a fun word to say. Uh, and this means not insisting on every right or letter of law or custom. Uh, and then the glosses, the ways you can translate this, are yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, or tolerant. And if it sounds like this is a very broad semantic range, it is a very broad semantic range. Like this is a very flexible word that can be used in a lot of places. So if he's following up on Yodia and Syntyche and then given the church a command on what to do and keep doing, does this seem like a helpful word that might apply to a disagreement between two people? Like I, I think it does, and I think this is another reason, like verse 4 and 5 are actually connected to 2 and 3, uh, logically, and it's not this separation of concepts. So, yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, and tolerant. Yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, tolerant. Is that anybody's favorite? It's like y yielding, letting somebody else go, gentle. Like not being a jerk about it, kind. Like 
actively showing kindness, courteous. We probably have, we probably have a superficial version of this just because we live in the South, right? I mean, this is the, everybody learns how to put your nice Christian face on. Uh, and then tolerant, which does not mean what modern culture has turned the word into, but this idea that I'm not going to um, uh, be ungentle or unkind or unyielding because of how you are engaging with me. Uh, this is not a tolerance of beliefs. This is a tolerance of action. But this is not insisting on every right. So when was the last time I had a right to something and said, I will yield my right to that and be gentle and kind and courteous and tolerant in that moment? That's a tricky one, isn't it? So I practiced this yesterday at Publix. <clears throat> because I figure I better get one repetition under my belt before I teach it, right? And uh, so yesterday at Publix, so I, I taught a class yesterday morning, so my voice sounds like I've been smoking all night. I haven't been smoking all night. Um, and uh, I, I wanted, you ever get to the point in your life where you're like, I want something that's not good for me? Like food-wise, you get there, yeah? Uh, well, I wanted one of those cheap little pizzas that you put in the oven that, you know what I'm talking about, they're like this big, and they're terrible. Like, they are terrible, until they're the most amazing thing on the planet. And then, that's what I wanted. The little toast, Tostinos, is that, am I saying it right, babe? Tostinos? Yeah, they're like a dollar and a half. And it, <laughs> that's the giveaway that it's terrible, right? <laughs> it, it cannot be good for you. I didn't, you can't pronounce any of the ingredients to hold on yard. So I go into Publix, and I get two, because I'm optimistic. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I've got my two, and you know, you've got two things in Publix. I'm not going to go stand in the line with the person. This is the, the self-checkout. And I go at the worst time. The self-checkout lanes have the wait, right? So I look behind me. Nobody's behind me. And there's a mom and three little girls. And she's taking this opportunity to teach them how to use the checkout. Which I was like, you go. That's pretty impressive. And she's got one that's standing in the buggy trying to get out, right? So you've got an escape artist at play, at, like we're actively trying to get away. And she's just managing this with grace and fluidity and calm. She never raised her. I mean, it was like, I, st I literally stepped back. And I was like, wow, like that, I don't know what you call that. That is a skill right there. It is unbelievable. And there was one time she just kind of very subtly glanced up at me and I went, wow. And, and, she, and, she, and it was one of those, okay, I don't have to rush. I don't have to. And I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Way to go. Neato. So she finishes and the guy to my left who's like standing in the other line is just, I mean, tapping his foot and waiting and waiting. And I was like, oh, you want to you wanna go? Yeah, you go ahead. He's like, oh, yeah. And it, so he goes on. And then somebody physically taps me on my shoulder. I was like, oh no, I've got somebody waiting behind me and I didn't look again. And I looked back and he's like, hey man, why'd you do that? I was like, well, sometimes it's good to practice these things. He's like, yeah, it is, isn't it? That's cool. And he literally took a step back and I thought, what? Did that just happen in America? Like what, <laughs> what, what, what in the world was that? So, 
I went into Publix looking to do, like that was, I, I wanted the pizza. All right, I wanted the pizza. But I'm looking for an opportunity to do this. And God goes, here you go. And what I didn't get was that the world is watching. So then, it reminds me of my opportunity that I fail on a really regular basis. So this is your Sunday school teacher being super transparent. Let's go to the next slide, Dave. So this is where we are right now. We are physically uh, like right here in this building. So for those of you online, this is Hickson. Welcome to Hickson. Uh, this is, so 153 is here. Hickson Pike is here. This is Cloverdale and our church parking lot. Uh, my house is like that way. So we come, uh, I have no direct, it, we live that way. Yes, we live that way. That's right. I'm like, yay. I practiced this before class started, and I still got confused right there in the moment, Dave. It's fantastic. We're that way. Yeah. Yeah. I got Dave and Margie's vote on it before class began. Like, I know which direction we're going. All right. Cool. So to get from our house into our church parking lot in a reasonable, rational way, I guess those are the ways you could go. But you come down Hickson Pike, and you get into this far right-hand lane right here, and Julie knows where this is going now, and you turn right, right here. Now, in many places, an on-ramp has specific rules about who has the right-of-way and who's supposed to yield and all this stuff and all that, yada, yada, yada. All right. Do you all know what the rules are at this intersection right here, where you're coming off of 153? Like, who's supposed to yield? Does anybody know? The people coming off of 153 are supposed to yield. There's not one sign. There's two signs right there on either side, angled in. So you know, I'm supposed to yield. Do you know the statistical likelihood of someone yielding in that spot? It is rapidly approaching zero on most days. They come out of there like it's the Mario Kart and you're drunk. I mean, it's just, we're going all over the place. It's crazy. Can you go back one slide, Dave? I don't get the tolerant, I don't get the courteous, I don't get the kind, I don't get the gentle because I wrecked the car at yielding, <laughs> right? Like, it, this, this is crazy talk, guys. Like, crazy talk. And this is not... This is not graciousness for the purpose of being gracious to the person you're being gracious to. This is graciousness for the purpose of it letting it be known to everyone. Like, like th there's a difference. There's a real difference. This, like, this graciousness actually got shown to me yesterday in Publix because I thought I was being gracious by not griping at the lady in front of me and letting the guy go forward. That's not what this is about. This is about the guy behind me. I don't know that I've ever been taught a Sunday school lesson in Publix before, but it was a pretty good one. And I, where I thought I was going to go and focus on this lesson last week was go forward one day, this intersection, because like I, I'm a little sweaty just looking at this picture of this intersection. <laughs> like it's that aggravating to me on most days. 
And the reality is what I need is I need the person behind me to see me be gentle and gracious and tolerant here because when I turn into church, because it's not a far distance, it's not a long distance right here, right? Like that matters. What I need is the new believer behind me who's also going to church to see me be gracious and tolerant and kind and yielding. Like, oh, well, that's what that's supposed to look like. Great. As opposed to, I have no idea where to go with this lesson at this point, but I, I just needed to confess that to you guys. All right, so back one more, Dave. So this definition is not insisting on every right or letter of law or custom. We don't insist on that. So here's our, here's our application. Application number two at the bottom of page 92. Christians do not insist. Christians do not insist. Now, I would say that is not a universal statement because there was a time Paul insisted when the gospel message was at stake. He insisted on his Roman citizenship to ensure that he could continue spreading the gospel. Cool. But how often do I insist when the gospel message is not at stake? Right? Like that's... The, the other 99.99% of the time is what I'm talking about. So, yes, there are exceptions to this. But there's not many, and it's not the norm. So Christians do not insist. So what do you think we ought to do with that? Don't insist, right? Don't insist on my right. It's just yield. Where the majority of the Philippians... Not, not the Philippians Paul wrote to, but the Philippians in the city of Philippi, where the majority of the Philippians in the city of Philippi, believers or not. Not. Like, just drastic, drastic majority are not believers. Would the believers in Philippi stand out if this was true in their lives? Oh, yeah. Because Romans were all about, this is my right. I'm here. We're here. We're going to take over. This is what we're, we're talking about. And then Paul finishes up verse 5 with this beautiful little statement, the Lord is near. And when I put, when I put, let's go back one slide today. Uh, When I put my list-keeping, rule-following hat on, this sounds threatening. I can't tell you how many times I have read Philippians chapter 4 and thought, yep, Paul's threatening them with Jesus. Jesus is watching. <laughs> like, right? There's actually a great debate on what that word near means. Because it can mean near in space, as in I am physically close to you. It can be near in time, that we are about to meet. And it can be the combination of those things. And I'm convinced uh, the third is true, that Jesus is both physically near, because he tells us he is, and he is close to being with us, because he tells us he is. I think theologically that makes a lot of sense. And neither one of those is a threat to the believer. Both of those facts are encouragements to the believer. Like this is the, the Lord is near. He can... 
He can help us in this. This is good. This is healthy. This is helpful. I don't know. It's just, it's such encouragement for this small, mighty outpost of Christianity surrounded by pagans. Just a beautiful little thing to say. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. How cool is that? The Lord is near. Right now, the Lord is near. On the good days, when we let our graciousness be known to everyone, the Lord is near. On the bad days, when I want to run that person over who didn't yield like they were supposed to, the Lord is near. And He won't abandon us in either one of these situations. The Lord is near. Like, this is amazing news. Like, (laughs) it's incredible. Like, the Lord is near. So that's my application. The bottom of page 93. The Lord is near. (laughs) So what do we do with that? Be gentle. Be gentle. I'm regularly amazed at the flexibility that Paul that the Spirit uses through Paul on how he engages with the people he's writing to. Like he can he can be pointed and direct and clear and like borderline rude to like, no, no, you're gonna stop doing this. This is really important. And then he can show this tender, compassionate, loving, kind, gracious. Go forward one more. Let's evaluate Paul on his use of Philippians 4 or 5. Did he model this in his writing of Philippians 4 or 5? He's an apostle, right? Could he have led with, I'm an apostle, you're going to listen and you're going to do? He didn't insist. He was gentle, he was kind. He's courteous. I mean, this is two ladies. I think he might have been modeling for us what he expected from them, which leave it up to old Paul to be doing what he said he wanted before he actually said he wanted it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. So that's my lesson today. I have no idea how to land this plane, so I'm just going to stop talking. And uh, there's that. The Lord is near. I mean, what a beautiful encouragement. Go tell somebody that today. I think that's good news that we can share. So next week, Lord willing, we'll start with verse 6, and we'll go from there. So, All right, you should have your weekly update. You guys know what to do. Uh, Prayer requests go there. If you guys online have any prayer requests, we'd love to pray for those as well. So put those in the comments, and uh, then lean in, engage, and pray for each other. And tell somebody the Lord is near, because he is. And that's good news. That's good news. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.